Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee faithfully served the Lord for more than seven decades, co-laboring with Watchman Nee in China in the first half of the 20th century, before continuing his ministry in Taiwan, later in America, and eventually over the entire earth. He spoke these weekly Life Study messages before thousands of people, and much of his speaking has been published as over 400 titles. These life studies are perhaps his most significant work, taking 21 years for him to complete, and we're happy today to be able to bring you selected portions from those messages. If you'd like to find out more about his ministry, about the life studies themselves, and Living Stream Ministry, please visit our website, lsm.org. Now let's join today's program. Leviticus chapter 11 is concerned with the matter of diet, the matter of eating. But this chapter also is very much concerned with death. The word carcass is used at least 13 times in this chapter. The fact that this chapter speaks of eating in relation to the death that results from contacting something unclean means that Leviticus chapter 11, very much like the whole Bible, is a book of life and death. Francis Ball has joined us again for a program that we think will be interesting, enlightening, and most of all, helpful to our listeners. Francis, I'm happy to have you back today. Thank you. I'm happy to be back, as usual. Francis, this is one of those chapters that uh, can somewhat be considered in the skip-over category, I think, for a lot of the readers of the Bible, a lot of dietary regulations. And now today, all of this talk about carcasses and dead things, uh, not one that I think a lot of people are thrilled to come to, but we're going to see it in quite a different light today. Let me ask you just to spend a minute, if you could, review this matter of the dietary regulations. Well, this is very enlightening, but without the help of the ministry, I think we'd have a hard time finding out how interesting and how applicable this is even to our daily living. Mm -hmm. Because earlier in this chapter, we saw that we shouldn't have anything to do with animals that don't divide the hoof right? and that do chew the cud. So if they have a divided hoof and chew the cud, then they're noted as being clean and we could eat of them. Mm -hmm. But those that do one or the other, but do not do both, they are not clean animals, and they should not be eaten by the Israelites at that time. This is quite interesting because dividing the hoof, this has something to do with our discernment to be able to tell the life from the death or the good from the evil and so on. Right. And chew the cud means that we, uh, we have some digestion that is, we know how to consider something, not just take it on face value. So I think this is very helpful to us, particularly in the matter of what we can touch and what we should not touch. Right. Yeah, of course, we saw when we compared this portion to Acts chapter 10, one overriding principle that all these animals represented different categories of people that we have contact with. And we want to be confining our contact as much as possible to those who have these characteristics that you just talked about, those that are able to discern life from death, because as we see today, this program touches this matter of death quite much, and death has the ability to affect us in a profound and lasting way. So these are enlightening portions once we see how they translate into our New Testament context, aren't they? Yes, and what you mentioned about Acts chapter 10 
really brings this into focus because there Peter saw a, a great sheet came down from heaven and all manner of beasts and insects and serpents and so on were in that sheet. And the Lord told him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And he said, not so, Lord, because I've never tasted anything unclean. Right. He had never taken any of this food that the Old Testament had forbidden. Right. And so he was not open to taking this instant word. But then the Lord said, you shouldn't call unclean the things that God has cleansed. And then you know how he came to the Gentiles, which are known to be unclean. And he brought the gospel to the Gentiles in Cornelius's house. Right. So this is a very, very striking application or fulfillment of that kind of uh, restriction that was put on the Israelites in the 11th chapter of Leviticus. Well, Francis, let's come to today's word. As we've pointed out, mainly this chapter deals with clean and unclean animals in how we approach them as a possible source of nourishment in our eating. That's the dietary regulations, and we saw, as you uh, reviewed for us today, the implication there. Now, the second half of the chapter deals with this matter of death, all this talk about carcasses. It's very mysterious on one hand, but we're going to see today this chapter is really one that we would all do well to spend a good deal of time so that we understand it in its real significance. Life and death are really presented here, and this is the Bible in miniature. Let's go to Witness Lee. Now, we come to another message that covers chapter 11 of Leviticus. In this chapter, as we have seen, it touches the matter of eating. It touches our diet. But it concerns very much life or death. Many times the word carcass is mentioned in chapter 11. And carcass really means death. So the matter concerning our diet is a matter of uh, life or death. If we contact the clean things, we get life. If we contact the dirty things, unclean things, we get what? We get death. When you ever touch something unclean, that means you touch death. Uncleanness is a synonym in this chapter to death. Where uncleanness is, there is death. Death is an ugly thing. It's altogether detestable, abominable. Apparently, chapter 11 talks about abstaining from uncleanness. But eventually, it comes to not abstain from uncleanness, but abstaining from death. And you have to know, we are not here talking about mainly the physical death. We are here mainly talking about the spiritual death. What is there on this earth? Death. Everywhere. In the stores, in the shops, in the offices, in the schools, in the classmates. What is there? In the best place, even the most moral place, ethical place, death is there. Death. Needless to say, those worst places, like the dancing place, nightclubs, and so forth. Even the most moral place, ethical place, is full of deaths, spiritual deaths. This is what we like to see. And this is what this chapter intends to train us. 
that we have to try our best to abstain from spiritual death. Francis, this chapter, as he said, is trying to train us uh, to recognize and see something. On the surface, it looks to be all about eating dietary regulations, and then on the other hand, a strong exhortation for God's people to stay away from any dead things, any carcasses. But there's a profound spiritual reality behind all of this. Let's talk about the reality behind the picture in this chapter for a minute. The reality here is just about like every place in the Bible. It takes the use of our spirit to understand what it's really talking about. It's not that God is interested so much in the carcasses here, but he is interested in us staying away from things that cause death and that are dead in themselves. To me, this is a very, very important principle that we have in this chapter, to do our best to stay away from everything that causes death. Death is opposite to life, of course, and man was created in order to be a recipient of God as life. Mm-hmm. From then on, he wanted man to take him as life. But man instead took so many things just of death. Even the good things become dead. So I think we'll see later in this message how these things turn into real damage to us, deadness. If they're not in life, then they're in death. Mm-hmm. It's not a matter of good and evil, but a matter of life and death. It's very interesting, Francis. The Lord points his people to the matter of eating, obviously vital to sustaining life, but more than physical death, there is such a thing as spiritual death. Even going back to Genesis in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned, he said, surely in the day, if you do it, in that day you will die. But we realize Adam and Eve went on from that day and lived several hundred years physically. So we're talking about another kind of death, another kind of influence that affects even God's people today in a powerful way, aren't we? Yes, that's the real significance of this. Because we're not talking about the physical aspect. We're talking about a spiritual condition. And none of us want to be dead physically. But certainly we should avoid death spiritually. Right. So that we don't kill ourselves or kill others. Yeah. And that is a big problem. We may fall under the uh, effect of this spiritual death ourselves and suffer ourselves. But likely we also will affect other people. That's right. Hmm. Francis... In Genesis chapter 2 and John 15, we're going to see these two passages brought out in this next section as we consider life and death. Of course, Genesis 2, the tree of life is introduced. And in John 15, the Lord Jesus identifies himself as the very reality of that tree of life. This is a wonderful section. I really encourage everyone listening, please stay tuned for this. God, after his creation, man, he put man in a situation facing the matter of life, a tree of life. But there was not only this one tree. There was another tree. Why? In the entire universe, there is not only one source. That is the source of life, which is God. Actually, if you read through the entire Bible of these 66 books, you could see what God is illustrated as a tree. You know, when he became incarnated and he lived on this earth, he told us he was a tree. He said, I am what? The vine tree. 
the vine tree is so spreading. As long as the tree is spreading, it is available to us. Our God is high, yet he has lowered down himself to spread himself, to reach the four corners of this earth. He is the great vine. Well, after the creation of man, God put man in front of a tree that is called the tree of life. Have you noticed how these 60 books consummated? How the Bible concludes? It concludes again in a tree. Again the same tree. The same tree which appeared in Genesis 2. It will appear in Revelation 22. In the last chapter of the Bible, you will see this dear tree there. Then how about today? Well, in the Gospel of John, the Lord Jesus told us he is a tree on the one hand. On the other hand, he also tells us that he is life. I am the life and I am the tree. If you put these two together, that equals what? That equals I am the tree of life. So Jesus, the embodiment of God, is the tree of life. And today, in the church life, we are still promised by the Lord Jesus with himself as the tree of life for our enjoyment. And this is promised in Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. He that overcomes, I will give him to eat. What? The tree of life in the paradise of God. And we are in the paradise of God enjoying Christ as our tree of life. Francis, I hope this is not too much to speak, but I believe this is perhaps the most marvelous revelation in the entire Bible, and that is that the Bible is a book, first and foremost, preeminently, of life. It begins with life, and it consummates with the city of life, and life runs through every portion of this book, even a chapter such as we're seeing today, Leviticus chapter 11. How does the Lord Jesus portray himself in the Gospels, especially in John? in relationship to this divine flowing life. This really is marvelous how the Lord portrays himself here by saying, I am the life. And also in chapter 15, he says, I am the vine. Of course, that means a vine tree. Right. The spreading vine tree, as he mentioned, that so makes him so available. You know, this is a really marvelous thing, and I have to agree with you that this is probably the most marvelous revelation in the entire Bible, that this is a book of life. For years, I have to confess that I took it as a book of knowledge. I tried to study the Bible with my mind, Mm -hmm. getting thoughts from it, getting ideas from it, and concepts from it, but it wasn't until I'd been saved for a number of years before I saw that this is a book of life. And this life is just Christ himself. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And this life is depicted as a tree of life. Right. In Genesis 2 and in Revelation and even throughout. Even Jeremiah said, thy words were found and I did eat them. Mm. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. This must be the eating of the tree of life. 
The Bible is what he ate. He found the words and he ate them. Right. So this all gives us the realization that we need to be those that take the word as life. We enjoy Christ as our life, and we feed upon him as our life. And we should restrict ourselves from everything that's not of life, because this is the meaning of the whole Bible. A lot of people, Francis, I think it's fair to say, come to the Bible or view it preeminently as a book of behavior, instructions, rules, regulations, or a pattern. But really, above all of that is this matter of life. And the Lord presented himself to us. Of course, he was our pattern, but he was a pattern to us in the way of life. As you said, that was his presentation. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Mm -hmm. We really rob ourselves, don't we, if we uh, just take this book as some kind of an objective uh, manual on how to live the Christian life. Yeah. Of course, some people may say, well, aren't these instructions on how to live properly and everything? But this is not the real meaning behind the word life. Life is something that's in you. We got another life in us when we receive Christ. So this life is our food, our food supply. We're going to go back to the garden and uh, Adam and Eve there before the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil in this final section, Francis. Let's go back to Witness Lee. God is the totality or the source of life and his enemy is totality and the source of death. Death is complicated. It has what? It has the knowledge. It has also good things. It has also bad things. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, we all know gossiping, right? Gossiping is very common, popular. And this habit, dear saints, you all have to know from where it comes, from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. This tree has been implanted to us through Adam's fall. Even though we got saved, we have God as tree planted into our being. That's right. But you have to know, today within you, there is a kind of a garden of Eden. You are there. Even I would change the word there to here. You are here. And God is here as a tree. And Satan is also here as a tree. We all have two trees planted into our being. And they are all growing up within us. So we have such a habit of gossiping. And this gossiping doing nothing but what? But passes on the very deeds of God's enemy into others. Gossiping never passes life to any hearer. It always carries death to anyone that hears it, especially to those who listen to it. This is to carry on the deeds of the evil one who is the power of death? Satan. i just give you a little illustration to know what is indicated significantly 
figuratively or typically in this chapter concerning this. It means this. We have to live a holy life. And the holy life is a life altogether abstaining from anything that belongs to death. We must stay away from the source of death. That is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Francis, I was struck by something he said right at the beginning of this last portion. He said that death is a very complicated thing because it contains elements of knowledge and good as well as evil. The point of this chapter in Leviticus is that we need to avoid contact with any dead thing. And this involves a conscious effort on our part each day, it seems, because death, we have to be fair, it's all around us, it's even within us. In fact, if we take from what he said here, within all of us is a miniature of the Garden of Eden in a very real sense, isn't it? That is really very, very enlightening. You know, man was created by God and put in a garden. There, there's a tree of life. God intended for man to take the tree of life, which represented God himself. But there was another tree there, and he forbade him. He told him not to take of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he pointed out that that's a complicated tree. Right. Knowledge is, of course, we know complicated. And it's always dealing with good and with evil. Right. And we usually think that that other tree must just have been a tree of evil. But actually, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the source of everything that communicates death. And the tree of life is a source of God himself who imparts life. Wow. So it's so wonderful to see this difference because we're so easily caught up in the knowledge of good as well as evil. And we all know as Christians and most moral people realize they shouldn't get involved with all the negative things, all the evil things, certainly murder, even lying stealing, anything like that we would like to stay away from, Mm -hmm. not get involved, not even talk about it. But we don't often think that we should also stay away from things that are good. That is, they're ethical, they're proper in a human sense, but they are not the tree of life. They are dead. They cause death. He brings out several illustrations in this message how it's so easy to gossip with a good intention. Yeah just so you can take care of somebody's problem. But actually, if we have spiritual sight, in other words, if we have a cloven hoof, as we mentioned at the beginning, we discern, we can tell what's life and what's death. So this kind of being good often is where we get in touch with death, spiritually speaking. Even we can have a good intention to try to help somebody, giving them a gift so that they will appreciate us or have any kind of motive like this. This is something not bad, not evil by our understanding, but it's dead, and it brings in death because it's not God. We just have to realize that only God is life. Jesus Christ is God, and he is the tree of life, and we like to eat him, live by him, and be one with him, and avoid everything that's death. I love this topic, Francis. It comes up so often in this ministry and in this whole life study of the entire Bible, because Witness Lee's view, which we have, I think, been deeply impressed by, 
This book is a book of life and death, and once our eyes have been opened to see this, it's throughout the Bible, and no more critical word, as we said earlier, for any of God's people today than this kind of understanding. Really appreciate your fellowship and help today. Thank you very much for the opportunity to be here, because this is a big subject. It is. The Bible is all about eating, eating the Lord as our life. Amen. Let me uh, leave you with our toll-free number and invite you to contact us. I can't tell you how much uh, marvelous ministry material we have available on this topic of life, the Tree of Life, a book even by that very title, several writings by Watchman Nee that touch this. This is just such a vast and marvelous subject. We really hope that you will take the time to contact us and we can tell you about so many things that we would have to share with you. Our toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. You can write to us also, of course. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814, or send email to us, radio at lsm.org. And please try to join us again for another life study from this book of Leviticus. For Francis Ball today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee ministered the Word of God for over seven decades. Many consider these life studies as his seminal work, an exhaustive commentary on the entire Bible from the perspective of the believer's enjoyment and experience of God's divine life in Christ through the Spirit. If you'd like to find out more about Witness Lee, these life study messages, or any of the materials provided by Living Stream Ministry, please visit our website, lsm.org. That's lsm.org. You can also email us, radio at lsm.org, or call us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. Thanks for listening today.